Join me as I talk with people who express their creativity in ways that can inspire the rest of us to recognize our own creativity. And if you enjoy these conversations, please like, subscribe, and share them. Welcome to Creativity Conversations. This is episode 57, and today I'm here with the beautiful, talented, wonderful Teddy Foster. Hi, Teddy. Hi, Nina. (laughs) Great to have you here, finally. So we, on this conversation that is ongoing, do our best to deconstruct the nature of creativity so that everybody realizes they have the same potential and they can go out and do amazing, wonderful things or just things that make them happier than they might be right now. And I'm going to start off by reading Teddy's bio and we will see what happens from there. So Teddy Foster is the director of Universal Preservation Hall in Saratoga Springs, New York. And that Universal Preservation Hall is known as UPH, which is a world-class performing arts center, which opened officially on February 29th, 2020, just before the pandemic. Featuring a 700-seat theater in the round performance space and excellent acoustics, the mission of UPH is to serve as a venue for concerts, weddings, charity galas, conferences, and other community and private events. Teddy began her association as a volunteer in 2006, quickly becoming a member of the board of directors and chair of the fundraising committee. From 2009 to 2015, Teddy served as president of UPH, focusing on board development and the vision of developing UPH into a downtown cultural center. Under her leadership, the facility was transformed from a condemned, underused historic site into a hub of seasonal activity and a leader in promoting the creative economy in Saratoga Springs. Teddy forged a management partnership with Proctor's Theater, a former vaudeville house and now host to major Broadway shows and cutting edge events. She became the capital campaign director and raised $10.5 million needed to complete the restoration of the building. Holy smokes, how'd you get involved with that anyway? Well, you had to be creative to do that. I can tell you that much. (laughs) Uh, It's interesting that I wound up uh, becoming involved with Universal Preservation Hall. Um, It just kind of happened that way. I worked for, um, I was a stay-at-home mom mom for a long time. And then when I went back out into the work world, um, I was fortunate enough uh, to find work with uh, GE Capital and GE Financial. And I was with them for 12 years and ended my career with a company called Genworth Financial. And, um, and in 2009, when uh, the recession hit, I was loving life. I had a great job. I was traveling all over the country. It was terrific. And in an instant, I wasn't because the recession hit and they laid a thousand people off. Yeah, it was, that was a tough go, but, um, and you could not get a job because it was the recession and, uh, and it was equally probably as bad as the pandemic has been. It was that kind of life disrupting kind of a thing. So I was already on the board here and, um, I, the board, uh, made me board president in 2009 
And um, so I just decided, well, what the heck? I can't get a job. I'm just going to try to make the most of this. And that's what I did. <laughs> that's what you did. Yeah. So what did you do then? Well, it's interesting. When I worked for uh, Genworth Financial, I uh, was the head of sales and marketing for insurance agents and financial services agents. So when I figured out that I had to do something with this building, as well as make a little bit of money for myself, um, I decided that I would use all the sales training that I had done with these agents and put it to use myself. And it, and it really worked. Um, I started my own coaching business called Foster Good Health, and I help people um, lose weight and get healthy. And I did that for three years and actually loved it. And one of the things that they taught you in insurance was you had to make a hundred person target list and which I did that. And, um, and I had in three years, I had 95 clients from that list. So it was interesting and you had to be really creative to talk to people about losing weight. Let's figure that. So then I just transferred those skills uh, to UPH to help keep the building afloat, try to uh, never say no to anybody that wanted to do anything here because money was money and we were only a seasonal venue. And also um, to try to find a good partner who could help me over the hill to uh, uh, getting this building restored and running as a world-class world place. What you did really was astounding. And although I know you didn't do it single-handedly by any means, the fact that you had this vision for this derelict biz building and you were able to realize it, what would you say is the kind of creativity and motivation and the kind of perseverance that you needed not to get discouraged and throw in the towel and say, I quit? I became um, a passionate preservationist, I would say, because if you spend every day in a building as beautiful as Universal Preservation Hall, even it on its worst day, it's astoundingly gorgeous on the inside. And um, I just was like, how could I not save this building? How could this building, it was, it was condemned, it was slated for demolition, and I just couldn't let it go. I was also smart enough to know that you're never remembered for how you start anything, but rather you're remembered for how you left it. And I didn't want to be remembered as the person that failed the project. So <laughs> that got my creative juices going. Um, I think I was always a creative person, although I didn't really realize it until later years. And when it became most apparent to me that I was creative was in um, when I had two sons. I had two sons that were 20, uh, 20 months apart. And I had a sister growing up. I knew nothing about little boys. And I, what the heck am I going to do with these kids? <laughs> so I had to get creative to learn how to bond with them and do things with them as they grew up. And we just did everything, the three of us. It was really wonderful. We were very creative. I didn't enroll them in a lot of extracurricular stuff. I let them come home and we used our imaginations. And um, I think they really truly benefited from that, really. Well, I 
am on the same page with you on that one because so much of people's lives now, especially kids, is so overscheduled. And they go from one thing to another that's supposed to look good on their resume or their ability to get into college. But that faculty of creativity and imagination and ingenuity and what do I do with this and what do I do with myself? That's not cultivated. No, it's it's not. And it's I'm glad that we had that time together. I was a stay-at-home mom for many years and I'm glad we had that time together because um, hopefully they will utilize the same things with their own families, right? And and um, and because they saw the benefit in it. The creativity was really interesting because I had these two sons and I seriously I didn't know what to do with them, but I love to cook. So we started in the kitchen and we spent a lot of time in the kitchen. And I'm very proud to tell you, my oldest son is a wonderful cook. Uh, he can cook basically anything. And my youngest son is um, a private chef for a billionaire. So he's made that his, his path in life. And I'm really proud of that because I think if we hadn't done that, uh, gone that route, it probably wouldn't have happened. Case in point, Thank everybody you. should have a big open space in their schedule to just noodle around and try different things. Yeah, it's and it's really good. Um, I'm a very social person. You know, I'm out and about all the time. But this has been one of the silver linings of the pandemic because it has taken me home to be at home and to be creative once again with whatever I'm doing in the house or whatever I'm thinking of doing as far as a project at home or UPH, but I can let my imagination and my creativity go wild and see what I can accomplish from it. And that's the beauty of being in the arts too, I think. I never thought I would wind up in the arts, but here I am, I'm in the arts now. And, um, and we can let our imagination go regarding shows that we wanna put on, and fundraising events that we want to put on and what we want to feature. And it's it's so much fun. I come to work every day and I don't feel like it's work. I feel like I've got a playground to be in. And um, I'm at the end of my career. You know me well enough. This is the last thing I'm probably going to do before I retire. But I feel really blessed and very grateful that this is the way I'm going to, this is the end of my career because what a way to go. Oh my gosh. And for, for people who don't know Teddy or Universal Preservation Hall, that was the most magnificent accomplishment. And uh, it's just enriched the community so much. I would love you to talk about the kind of venues that you have and who gets to decide what and when they happen other than the pandemic. Well, so we became an affiliate of the Proctors Collaborative um, in 2015, it became official. In 2012, um, we were on hard times here at UPH. I don't think we had 45 cents in the bank. And I was, uh, the board wanted me to close the building down. I was president of the board then. And, um, and I thought, well, I gotta do something else. So I had heard of this man named Philip Morris, who was the CEO of Proctors. So I figured, well, what the heck? I'm gonna call this guy because I have nothing to lose, right? I'm just gonna call and tell him what our situation is and see if there's anything that he can advise me to do that will help me save this building. And he took my call, which was pretty astounding in itself because he's so busy. 
and asked me how he could help me and I told him. And um, it was the day the tide turned for UPH because he said to me, you know, we know you're building and in our board meetings, we've been talking about UPH for a long time because Proctors is thinking of having regional locations. When can I come see it? So he came up the next week with uh, his senior staff. I thought they'd stay for an hour. They stayed for five hours. And at the end, we just kind of fell in love with each other. He said, let's do this. So that's how it went forward. So I'm really proud uh, that we're part of Proctor's Collaborative. And they they are uh, like managing, managing us is what it is. We're an affiliate of theirs, just like Capital Repertory Theater. Um, I raised all the money for this building, but they gave me all the resources I needed to do that. They give us expertise and resources in finance, ticketing, programming, marketing, fundraising, you name it. They were very, very important partner in designing this building so that it could accommodate the flow of audience that's gonna come through here. Our main performance space, for instance, is a theater in the round that seats 700, but you can have 1200 people in this building and it's gotta be able to flow, right? And, and all this expertise that they bring, especially for things like that, how would I have ever known that? I mean, I was like, you know, a retired or a laid off insurance executive. I wouldn't know that. But um, it's been a wonderful partnership. We're very, very grateful for it. Um, so when they helped me raise the money to complete the construction, we started uh, the restoration of this building in the fall of 2018. They told me it would take just over a year to do it. I was like, yeah, right. <laughs> it was done by uh, December of 2019. And then we had our grand reopening on February 29th, only to be shut down 10 days later. And thank God for Proctors, because in those seven days or 10 days we were open, we had seven spectacular shows. And then uh, we were able to hold it together with them and make sure the building was kept in good shape throughout the pandemic and made it to this point and we're coming back. So uh, the creativity is seriously flowing here these days. So talk a little bit about the kinds of venues that are coming and what you've had there, like the dinosaur exhibit and Roseanne so, Cash. And yeah, so we opened on February 29th with Roseanne Cash, who gave a spectacular to performance to a standing room only crowd. We had comedian Louis Anderson, who was hysterical. We had um, a jazz night, and what we did was we had a jazz night because we wanted to thank uh, some of the, the bands here that had helped us raise money through the years, so we allowed them to come and play the big room. We had an acrobatic circus on our, on our stage in the center of the room on a Sunday afternoon, and over 500 people came, family. It was amazing. It was amazing. And then, to me, my favorite show we had was... I don't know if you know him, but Chris Bodie, the jazz trumpeter, oh, yeah. unbelievable. It, 700, full house. He was so spectacular. Um, I wept for the entire concert, as did a lot of other people. It was amazing. And uh, his manager called the day after to say that he wanted this to be his premier venue in this region. It's the only place he wanted to play again and that they were going to be booking. 
So we're talking to him now because pandemic got in the way, but he's a little reticent to come out yet. Um, but it was a big night for UPH, that was, because um, people became familiar with how spectacular this place is and how special it is. Mm -hmm. And the headline in one of the papers the day after Chris Bodie was, um, Saratoga now has its own Carnegie Hall. And um, I cried, and that was so um, satisfying to hear that after all the years and the heartache that I had put into the place. Oh my gosh. So that, yeah, it was great. And then it was, there was not enough of wine on earth when we had to shut down. But, <laughs> but anyway, part of our regular programming, we decided even before a pandemic was ever even a whisper that our summer programming would not be music. And we've stuck to that. So we did it because there's plenty of music in this in this area. We figure let SPAC have their time, right? And then there's lots of music outdoors, indoors all summer long. So we, uh, Philip Morris and I made the decision that we want to do something that nobody has ever done up here before. And that would be to bring in really um, exciting and cool exhibits to Saratoga because we can adjust, we can adapt to that in this building very easily. And also it would help drive the economy for the long term in downtown Saratoga and the surrounding region, probably the capital district. So our first uh, exhibit was called uh, Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. It was, a, it was a pinball machine exhibit and we had it last year, even though it was pandemic. And we were very careful. We, our building is very safe from an HVAC point of view but we were very careful. We only allowed 20 people in at a time. We made them wear masks and gloves, but there were 18 pinball machines here and other wonderful memorabilia. And in two months, um, we had probably over 2000 people come through, which was really great considering it was the middle of the pandemic. So this year we decided to take it up a notch and we brought in an exhibit that started at the end of July and it was called, uh, it's, it is called Dinosaurs in Motion, Where Art and Science Meet. And it's 12 life-size dinosaurs that are sculpted out of recycled metal. They were all made by uh, one man who lived in Asheville, North Carolina. They are nothing short of spectacular. And you either move them with pulleys, levers, other devices, or they move you. I mean, it is amazing. Uh, and so we've had it since the end of July. We've probably had 6,000 people come here already and we're allowing 40 people in at a time. Uh, basically at, we let people in every half hour because the exhibit is using our, our entire building. So you kind of flow through, there's never a bunch of people all at once together. Been really great. So we're creatively now looking for what we could bring next year and see how we could delight downtown. Uh, the businesses are loving it. Um, everybody's telling us that their business has uptick. And I'm sure a lot of that is post pandemic, but I have to believe that we're helping. Oh, I'm sure you are. Yeah. Now there must've been some challenges getting those dinosaurs in the building because they're not small. No, we had three tractor trailers pull up in front um, uh, and the equipment needed to bring these steel structures in was pretty remarkable. Um, but they did it. It took 10 days and it'll take 10 days to two weeks to load out of here. 
And the interesting thing is we're missing a dinosaur because the Triceratops head was too big to fit in this building. So we couldn't get him in any opening in this building. So it was actually pretty funny. Uh, so we got him on a truck. We got his head on a truck and we took it to our storage unit and it wouldn't fit there. <laughs> so then we took him to Proctor's and the head sat on the main stage of Proctor's for a couple days. <laughs> and then we thought, we have to do something with this Triceratops. We can't just leave him in his crate. So um, we, uh, Philip Morris made one call to Crossgates and they took him and he's actually on display right outside the food court in Crossgates advertising the exhibit. And he's brought a lot of business. A lot of people tell us they saw him. So Crossgates, for people who don't know, is a shopping mall in, uh, in Albany, Albany, right. Albany, New York. Yeah. <laughs> so it all kind of worked out. And now we're in, uh, we're, we're, you know, in the waning days, you know, it's probably only about a month until the exhibit leaves. And um, our programmer has been busy booking music. And he is a wonderfully creative person. He's just, his name is Sal Prisio. He's got so much energy and he's got, he's just so cool. He's got so much creativity. So now we're booking new shows. We'll start having music again in November. And um, we're rebooking a lot of the shows that postponed in the pandemic. Many of them are not, but we're rebooking the ones that are and then booking all new. And I think, um, people should go to the Universal Preservation Hall website, sign up for our e-newsletter because that's how they're gonna know what's happening in the future. That's great. So here's a question for you. There were two things that stuck out, particularly in my mind as you were talking about the role that you've played with UPH. And one is uh, nothing to lose and passion. And I'm curious as to whether you think you could have done as good a job if you weren't as passionate about preservation and the arts? Um, I, I truly believe that you have to be passionate about what you're doing or you can't accomplish what you're doing. I mean, think about it. A salesperson can't sell a product that he doesn't believe in. So I think it's really important to believe in what you have to sell or what you're representing. And then you have to have 100% belief in yourself that you can do it. I think that's really, really important. If I hadn't have cared about this building, um, I don't think I could have sold it. I mean, the first day I ever walked in here, first thought to me what in my mind was, oh dear God, what am I doing here? Because <laughs> it was a bomb site. And I can remember thinking, praying, I went, dear God, please don't ask me to be on your board. Please don't. And they did. And I said yes, because I felt sorry for them. And then I just started, I ended up spending more and more time here and it just kind of took me in. Um, it's like dating. Yeah, really, it really, it was. But uh, everybody said, this is my boyfriend here. This is my, this is my boyfriend or my child, people say. <laughs> but, uh, but I really, uh, I never begrudged it. And then the interesting thing was, I became really grateful for this opportunity and I became very grateful for losing uh, my job at GE because what I found out was, you know, when you're in corporate America like that, you are very buttoned up, you become kind of ruthless, you know, at GE we were black belt, we were, you know, Sigma, you know, six, all this stuff. And I was never home. I traveled 80% of my time. 
and coming back home and dedicating myself to this project. And I was just grateful for any crumb anybody could give me for this building. Um, I realized that the best part of the whole thing was not only did I have a part in saving the building, but the building had really saved me. Mm. And I'm sure a lot of other souls got saved in this building along the way too, you know? So- Well, it did start out as a church, right? Yeah, it, it did. It was a Methodist church. It was built in 1871. And then in 1976, it became a Baptist church. So um, over the years, I have people that come to the door and they just ask me if they can go sit up in the Great Hall and pray because it is such a moving, beautiful room. And um, up until we re got restored, I let them. I, can't, I don't allow them in there now, but, uh, but I did before. Yeah. So but it still I, retains its soul-saving qualities. It does, and it's got a really wonderful aura about it that everybody says it when they're in. They can't believe this is a, we call it a feel-good building. There's no way you can not feel good in this building. Mm -hmm which I love that. And I mean, I feel that way about my home. Your house is like that, Nina. It's a, I feel like I'm going to the spa when I go to your house. I, mean, I love it. And uh, so uh, I, I truly think you have to believe in yourself. Uh, you know me long enough that I've always been a quote unquote overachiever. Failure is not an option for me. Um, it's just the way I roll, you know, and uh, but I believed in this and, and I believe with the right combination of people and the right design of the building, uh, we could get this done and we did. And you did, quite an amazing feat. Thank you, thank you. I think getting through the closed pandemic was also an amazing feat because oh. uh, we laid off for the, because we're part of Proctor's Collaborative, we laid off um, over 90% of our workforce. And not that there was a lot of work, but there was a whole lot of PTSD. So many days, many, many days, it was really hard to find gratitude or to find creativity because we're so limited. And a lot of times if we would come up with creative ideas, they just fall to nothing because of the way the world was, mm -hmm. you know? But um, I'm happy, I'm very happy and proud to say that working as a team, we all came out of our PTSD together. Uh, we're on the other side of it and things are coming back, which is so nice. Oh, it's terrific. Mm -hmm. So I have a question for you, which is, if you wanna share this, what was the lowest point for you where, I know that failure is not in your vocabulary, but it almost was. Was there a point at which you just thought, I just don't know how we're gonna ever make this happen and then found something to keep you in momentum? Keep oh yeah, I was, uh, it was probably in 2010 and 11. I, first of all, let me just admit, I cried a lot of tears over this building because all through all throughout it, because uh, people, this building had a great start when it began, um, when they did the first restoration of it, which was to salvage and stabilize the building. And they raised $3 million uh, privately. I wasn't involved then. But they did a fabulous job uh, getting it to the point that it was. 
And then uh, they didn't have professional fundraisers. They didn't know how to raise the rest of the money and the building kind of fell out of favor with the town. So not, and the design was wrong. There had been an architectural design done that never would have worked. So the big money would not give us any money because they were smart enough to see that the design wasn't gonna work. And um, the town lost interest in it because it truly looked like a bomb site for a lot of years. I mean, the front steps were in rubble. And I think it took, I found a lot of frustration because I would talk to everybody about this. And um, I would bring them in to show them and, and, and paint a picture in their mind or try to of how beautiful it could be. But I just think it took stick to and I just never shut up and I just kept harping on the same thing. I never wavered from my, my story and I never, I never gave up. Uh, but in 2011, when I had board members ready to fist fight across the board over this, that was probably the lowest point. And I was just like, oh dear Lord, what the heck are we gonna do? And it was shortly thereafter, I, um, I was talking actually to Wally Allardyce, who's been with me every step of the way. And I just said, I've heard about this man named Philip Morris and I'm gonna call him. And he goes, call him. He goes, did I tell you that my best friend is president of their board? I was like, what? <laughs> so we both called him and that's really how it all, how things changed in an instant. And it was so interesting because I knew then uh, when I talked to Philip uh, and when he came up and met with us, I knew then that, that it was serendipity. I felt it, that this was going to work. And um, because in, I said to the board after that, the guy, people that were remaining, I said, I just want you to know we're going to talk about uh, aligning with Proctors and we are gonna go, and they laughed. I go, and we are gonna go from the kid on the street that had cooties to the kid on the street with the new swimming pool. I'm just telling you that. And it worked exactly like that. All proctors never did anything in this building until opening night in 2020. They would not do any shows here. Anything we did here, we did, right? But, um, but you know, they blew it out on opening night here, but all anybody had to do was get a whiff that Proctor's was thinking of associating with us, the whole tide turned. And then people started believing me and believing in the project and seeing the beauty of it. So yeah, it was, and then, you know, to keep the building going and holding up the end of our bargain um, so that we could, you know, stay in the good favors of, of uh, Proctors, we had to raise our own operating budget. And that's when my creativity went wild. We did events here like nobody has ever seen. We had so many wonderful events that raised a lot of money and kept us going. We did uh, Electric City Couture, which was a local and regional fashion show. We did it here for three years. Absolutely amazing. There's not a week I don't walk downtown that somebody asks me when it's coming back when are you gonna have another fashion show and we will we've just got to get there we did shaken and stirred we did a rat pack thing we did a turkey bowl thing everything we did was fun and we had community partners that did it with us so uh, a lot of creativity a lot of wonderful
A lot of collaboration. Yeah. The other thing I'm hearing in what you're saying is that when you love something, synchronicity happens. And if you believe it, can. You yeah. know, you have to have that belief. I, you know, I'm a big uh, lover of the law of attraction. And I, every morning, I write down five to 10 things that I'm grateful for. Mm -hmm. And I will tell you, uh, this on my father's grave, I think that is why we were able to accomplish this, because I believe we could do it. And I attracted good people to me and good resources to me that I could do that. And it happens in my life too. Mm. Then one thing I do, which I is interesting, if I'm having, if I'm not getting along with somebody or somebody's like really upsetting me, I will go home and, and it's hard sometimes, but I try to write down 10 things that I like about them. Yeah. It's not always easy, but it just changed your whole attitude. It really works. You can see it in a different viewpoint. And, and then I stop. I don't let anything bother me. I just see them in the good. And, and, I'm, and I'm really grateful that I have that. So. Well, that is quite a skill to develop, to be able to see people beyond their annoying qualities. <laughs> because then you get to see what else is there. What else is there in that other human being that might have been obscured by their pesky personality. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, it's, it gives you, it's a whole new way of thinking. And, you know, a lot of times I think, well, really, maybe they're not so bad. Or, you know, oh, geez, I never considered it. I never saw it that way. And at least it gives you pause to think and reassess. And sometimes you were, I was wrong. And then sometimes I'm right, you know, so the willingness to be able to accept that. I really, I love that. What I, I love about this conversation is to, to see that what has emerged for you over the years has really been, and maybe the best way to put it is an evolutionary process. Yeah. I mean, could you ever imagine from being in sales that you were going to be doing fundraising for $10 million? How yeah. does that how does that even happen? But it did. Yep, and you did an amazing now. job. How am I at the helm of a beautiful performing arts venue now, participating in all the programming decisions and things like that? It's a gift. Uh, it's and, and truly, I created my own opportunity. You know, I, listen, I was here as board president from 2009 until 2015 and never got a paycheck. I got, did not get paid for that. I was a volunteer. A lot of people don't know that. Yeah. And when we uh, made the affiliation with Proctor's official, that's when I was hired as a campaign director and started getting a paycheck again, just in the nick of time, I might add. <laughs> <laughs> but, but thank God I had worked for GE because I had saved well and, and I did okay. But um, and, and then when we had the grand reopening that night, I was, I was appointed the new director of the building, which was like a dream come true to me then at that point, because uh, it's really what I was striving for all those years, although it didn't become apparent until it did, so. Yeah, yeah. and yet there was something in there that your love of the possibility that kept you, kept the whole ball rolling, not just right. your participation. 
great. We, we just tried to never say no, you know, it was just never say no. And the thing that I loved about the Proctors, Proctors never says no. Proctors always finds a way for people to come together however they, they need to. And it was just so parallel to what we were doing here at UPH. Mm. You know, they saw us as Saratoga's uh, living room. Well, I think we're a little bit more than the living room. I think we're actually the cultural center that was needed downtown in the heart of downtown for so many years. Yeah. And yeah, we can be living roomish, but we really are the real deal. We can adapt this building to everything and anything. Yeah. It's remarkable. Yeah, it's it's an amazing space. I find that a lot of the clients that I work with and people that I talk to are in this place of transition where they don't know what's coming next. They just know that what they've what they're doing now isn't enough. They're feeling disconnected or or disenchanted with where they are. And given everything that you've shared with us in this conversation, what would you say to that person? Well, I would say have faith in yourself. Um, you know, one thing that I've learned over the years, it's a scary place when you are transitioning from one thing to the other. But I think you just have to believe and trust that it's all going to be good on the other side and that wherever you wind up is where you're supposed to be. Because even if it's not your ideal, the way I look at it is it's a stepping stone or it's a ladder to the next thing. Mm. You have to understand that. When I got laid off from GE, I thought my life was over. I'm just telling you that. And it wasn't. It wasn't. And before then, I had uh, been stay-at-home mom for a lot of years, got divorced, Thought, what in the heck am I going to do now? So I just started accepting jobs. I just started taking jobs. I was, I worked the cheese counter at Putnam Market. I did that. I worked in a dress shop. I worked uh, uh, riding horses, exercising horses up at Skidmore. I, I, I became the head of corporate sales for the Albany Firebirds. I had no idea what I was doing. But I did that. I worked for a cosmetic surgery center. But what I found was, and the most astounding thing to me was that everything I did, I took, I learned from everything that I did and I utilized it in the next step. And I made sure to build relationships from step to step because my getting the job at GE ultimately became one of the touchdowns of my life. And I had that opportunity for somebody I had met at Putnam Market. That's how it came to me. So I think that's the message. Uh, it will it, it will come to you. You just have to learn as much as you can from each step. Whatever step you take, you're going to be meant to be taking because it's going to have you where you are, and you will eventually be led to where you're supposed to be. Uh, I truly believe that. It's not the way you would have written that book. <laughs> oh, no, 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 no. <laughs> Never the way you would have written that book, but uh, it's actually, uh, it, I think it works out all right. It has well, for me. Well, 
it has for you and it has for the city of Saratoga Springs in terms of what you've created and what you've collaborate, gotten other people to collaborate on and, and create mm -hmm. for the community is so, it was A, so needed and B, it's just such a wonderful experience for people to be able to have. It's just, it's amazing. Yeah, thank you. It's, uh, yeah, we call her our beautiful old gal. Yeah. She's our beauty. She really is. And oh, yeah. it's, you know, I'll tell you, if you've never been here, go online and look at the pictures. And it's the coolest place in the capital region to see a concert. I can tell you that. <laughs> I second that. Yeah. <laughs> oh, that's great. Well, thank you so much for taking the time to chat with me this afternoon. It's my pleasure. And I hope it's been helpful to some people. Um, you know, my life's not, my life, let me just say, I have a wonderful life. I love my life. I love where I wound up. I really do. Uh, and I love the life that I've created for myself. And I hope that um, everybody can someday feel like that. Yeah. Well, if they take a few tips from you, it's probably very likely that that will happen. Thank you. And you and Gary have had a lot of, uh, given me a lot of benefit. I have the benefit of your counseling a lot of the times, which oh. has really <laughs> helped me. Oh, that's great. Yeah. So great. Thank you. And thank you everyone who's watched or listened to this recording today, and we hope to see you on the next one. So take good care. Bye for now.